Broadcasting live to the world. Now, it's Sheila Zielinski. Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. I broadcast Monday to Friday. That's weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and on Saturday nights on Worldwide Christian Radio and WINB, 11 p.m. Eastern Time. And there is a phone number for that Saturday night show. There's a call-in number there as well. So go to weekendvigilante.com and click on that radio archive tab and you can get all that information there. We have a lot of new listeners. I want to thank everyone for tuning in from across the globe And do, if you have not already, sign up for my YouTube channel, add me on Twitter and Facebook. All my social media tabs are there on the website at the very top right-hand corner. If you're not following my podcast, do so. And I am told that Apple, the company, is still working on the app. Have patience. We'll get this app figured out. I cannot stress to you, Live Oak, Florida folks, that's right, Augusto Perez, the Appearance Ministries, I highly regard him as one of the most powerful men of God and a life-changing event. Do find a way to get there. That information banner is on my website on the right-hand side. So do check that out. You all know my next guest. It's Minister Russ Jizdar, one of the world's leading experts on occult satanic crimes. Russ has investigated satanic rituals, occult crimes, and mind control and helped countless victims of SRA. Russ founded the agency Shatter the Darkness in 1982, and I could go on and on, but his website is shatterthedarkness.net, and it is my pleasure to welcome him back to the program. Russ, welcome back. Sheila, thank you so much for having us, and a good time of year to do this because it's just bigger and broader and darker than ever. Oh, it certainly is. Well, Russ, you know, our show topic today couldn't really be more, as you said, more timely or certainly more seasonally appropriate as we approach that time of Harvest Festival, Samhain, a.k.a. All Hallows' Eve. There is a litany of traditions that occur during the next few weeks with the culmination on Halloween night. Now, this is the month of the Wiccans, the Druids, the Pagans in this New Age occult mishmash. And it ties nicely into necromancy, which is a series you've been working on. So today, we're going to talk about necromancy. What is it? And we're going to talk a little bit about the veil as well. Um, So that would include, you know, trying to talk to the dead, these dead seers, paranormal seekers, consulting with spirits, engaging entities. So whether it's rituals, boards, pentagrams, all these summoning ceremonies. We really have a convergence, though, this time of year, don't we, Russ? Absolutely. We have a big convergence. And and the biggest thing I say is that um, the sheer numbers, uh, because over the last 30 years, you know, practitioners practice, their kids practice, more people get into it, uh, many more, you know, farther away from God. And and so they, they want something, let alone the fact that biblical prophecy says the dark side will simply just uh, ramp up to such a degree. I mean, they're here, Sheila, they're here to, um, to engage the world. They have a, a global agenda. They have, uh, well, first uh, Timothy 4.1, uh, it is an agenda to bring total deception. Uh, Revelation 12, it is global. So we've got to understand, really, in the, in the body of Christ, in our, in our gatherings, as far as like leadership team meetings, they need to be like war rooms. Because in the mission of the church, we have, you know, our ongoing mission, we have greater spiritual opposition. And the world is going to have greater spiritual deception than ever in the history of the entire fallen uh, human history we've been in this, been in. So 
what I've seen on the ground is more and more practitioners by the hundreds of millions, more and more experiences, which includes experts like back in Sumer and Babylon and the Old Testament, experts in uh, human sacrifice, experts in ritual summoning, experts in the old languages, and the necromancers that God so powerfully warned against in the book of Deuteronomy 18 and throughout the Old Testament. I mean, all the tribes of Israel, they all had uh, necromancers. Necromancers are among the shamans worldwide within uh, the New Age movement, among the psychics, mediums, and so forth. So it's a big, big, big issue. And necromancy has, uh, and the teaching of it, the doctrine of it has now uh, filtered into dark fantasy writings, gaming like uh, uh, Wild Wars uh, number two, uh, it has the you know all of the depths of the occult in the, in the sense of uh, real summoning powers, demon powers, and using those, and also again summoning the dead. So this is a huge issue, and it and it connects with uh, even necrophilia when it comes to sex with the dead and the spirits and energies involved. But but Sheila, necromancy is huge worldwide. I think so many are getting into it. And becoming practitioners because their parents or grandparents were, and the familiar spirits, they don't even understand it, um, have guided them. So we're, it's just huge. And so there'll be all this month, and there'll be uh, all of this into this month, uh, necromancers, let alone the ritual workers, are going to be uh, uh, in numbers uh, beyond anything we've seen in the years past. Well, that's so true. And, you know, I find that demonic visitations are incredibly increasing. They're really ramping up these entity manifestations are off the charts. And stunningly, Russ, this is child's play compared to what's coming. I mean, look at some of these recent headlines. You have very bizarre things coming out of Europe, especially England, you know, these satanic rings and pedophile rings at the British. But look at the British DJ. He had his face chewed off by a stranger. And he said he felt like he had gone a bunch of rounds with Mike Tyson. You know, that Russ has an eerily similar overtone to the seven sons of Sceva in Acts 19 there. You know, you see there's a group of itinerant Jewish exorcists, and they're going to try to use the name of Jesus to cast out demons. And these sort of knockoff fake wannabes say, I adjure you by Jesus whom Paul proclaims. And of course, they're met with the infamous demonic beatdown. The point is that these foolish workers of magic they're not the real deal. And as a result, the scripture says that the evil spirit mastered them. And they were, I mean, these guys were mercilessly beaten by a denizen of hell here. So, you know, people are playing games with these spirits. They think they're playing games, but this is not a game, is it? It is not a game. And on the one hand, there are those who are just being deceived by the spirits uh, because they're able to masquerade. They're able to completely morph their presence. And uh, they're they're far beyond humanity, especially when you're lost. You don't have the spirit of God. Your spirit is dead to God. Um, you are uh, easily deceived uh, when it comes to these entities. They're, they're just simply beyond humanity. Um, and, and so that's going to be happening all over the place. You're correct about all the experiences and so forth. Uh, look at Mark 5, the uh, legion, demon-possessed individual. You know, he's naked, he's cutting himself, blood's involved there, and as you mentioned, uh, with the seven sons in the book of Acts, um, they had no right to use the authority in the name of Jesus, and the demon knew that. This is what's interesting about this, this is what's so real about this, and we've seen it for 35 years, demons know whether you're saved or not, whether you're ready or not, and um, they went after those people people and they went out bloody and naked and beaten and so forth. So um, it doesn't doesn't surprise me that we hear about the man, you know, the DJ in England or the uh, man in Florida uh, where the officer had to unload his entire gun right. to stop a demonized man. They, they, when they're in a human being, they act as they are, they are demons. They are bloodlusters. Uh, they they uh, ha have no problem desecrating humanity, either using humanity. I, I would say three tiers. Deceive humanity, use humanity, or desecrate humanity. That's how we see it. And if they're not just simply deceiving people and uh, occupying them and keeping them away from God, which is their goal, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, uh, then they're... Um, 
then they're um, uh, engaging them in the sense of uh, wanting to uh, use them in some way, or they want to desecrate them. In, in a ritual, uh, as we see demonized individuals who have completely lost control and the demons in control attack people, I believe they're serial murderers, serial rapists, and others, even in the crowd aspect of Ferguson and other places around the world where spirits can be in the air to um, accelerate anger. They love anger. They love the energy of anger, and so they can do that also there, uh, especially if the ground is laid by ritual workers, necromancers, maguses, and all the rest, and the New Age and the Wiccans and all the rest. So if the doors are open in cities and spirits are flying uh, and present, uh, then they will look for all the doors they can to bring, well, an acceleration to the destruction of man, the deception of man, and the use of man. Well, and the Bible talks about how the Canaanites were summoning the dead. They spoke to these entities, familiar spirits. They really want the whole kit and caboodle when it comes to your generational line. People say, well, I have a gift of seeing the dead or speaking with dead spirits. I mean, you may want to not only check your family background to see if great granny had, you know, was doing that, but the gift part, uh, well, God says it's an abomination. So when you think about this being a gift, well, that's, that's questionable. But you remember the movie Sixth Sense, Russ, where that little kid says, I see dead people. I don't watch most of these movies, but I see, of course, there's a plethora of movies this time of year on TV. But I read a recent review on this latest Insidious movie, Insidious 3, which, of course, Insidious is an incredibly fitting term for the movie. But when you think, Russ, of this helly weird crowd, they always sort of spin this towards the youth. They make it very appealing to the younger generation, and they use layers of very clever desensitization. But where do they get these very macabre ideas? You know, it's layers and layers of desensitization, but I've noticed these movies really increasing in the element of evil. They are infusing these overtones of, you know, giving them keys to something. So I believe that this is one of the mechanisms that they're giving these kids keys to opening real doors here. Well, ab absolutely. Uh, and the doorways are huge. And now that we've seen, you know, I mean, if we, we can go back to the 30s and I think a massive spike on a global scale, the Nazis, but here also, 60s were what one occult writer says, the largest proliferation of occult literature um, was, was the second was here in the United States in the 60s. So you have this development of many uh, turning away from, you know, mainline Christian Christianity uh, because of the deadness and, and so forth. And then you have um, the spike in spirits. It's not that spirits are just sitting around sucking their thumbs, waiting for a human to somehow access them. They are absolutely in pursuit of humanity. They are absolutely in pursuit of individuals. So once they get a crack in, once they get a doorway into a family line, a bloodline, a tribe line, then they, they want to consume that. If one gets in, they want to bring others, and they want to bring more, and they want more control. They want more um, access. And uh, so if grandma had spirits for whatever reason, maybe she was a real psychic, a real medium, which is a necromancer. Uh, and she really did have a spirit guide, spirit, you know, inner, when I say spirit energy, I just mean the power emanating from the demon that enables them. So um, when you have this and grandma dies, the demons don't stay there. They are looking for the bloodline. They're looking for what's familiar, you know, the family, the, the, the family line. So they're going to, they're going to look for the, you know, the daughters and sons and grandfather, you know, grandsons and so forth. They're going to want to travel down and whether we agree, their mentality is they have a right, they have a door, they have a, you know, an, an access point. So when I meet people, as you mentioned, which is very, very important, very, very, very good for you to mention, individuals have said to me all over the place for years, well, I was born with this. I have this ability to see dead people. I have this ability to sense what happened here, you know, 20 years ago in this house. Okay. 
listen, we all have we're all we're all hardwired to be spiritual. We right. have the hardwiring created by God internally to have spirit presence and uh, to be literally um, made alive. Well, by God, though, I mean, that's that's Ephesians chapter 1, born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God illuminating the inside of our perceptions, our ability to see, perceive, discern, all the rest. God opens us up to show us Him and His purpose and our place there. Spirits are just simply doing using that hard wire to do this, the same thing only on their side of the fence. They come to, to get access to humanity, to open up all those perceptions and, and, and uh, discernments and ability, you know, and, to, and to, you know, to accelerate or to enhance, I call it non-human enhancement. So when spirits give non-human enhancement abilities, whether from a close distance mounting demonization or even possession, then people have abilities. When they say they have the ability to see dead people, the truth is they're not seeing dead people. Uh, this is vital for us to understand. They're not seeing actually dead people as if, because we got to think this through. Even necromancers and mediums that are out there need to think this through, and people that are going to them by the millions need to think it through. Really, your relatives are just sitting around, floating around in the air, and they're just doing nothing. They're just in the drab darkness, and you're able just to go to somebody. They can access them, and they can come over to your area and, and talk. They can hear from thousands of miles away and come into the access point. No, it's a demon that has the ability to acquire intel from the seeker, and then pump that out as if it's the real person. Like, for example, Uncle Harry. Um, you know, uh, his, 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 his spouse loves him, crying, wants to see um, you know, her husband again, and so she goes to the medium. This, the demon, all it does is gather, acquire the intel from her, her what, she, what she knows. He's, he's going to read her, and then that's going to be transmitted to the individual. The, you know, the medium or the necromancer, I see this happening, I think George is saying this, and it is real. It's supernatural, but it's deadly. It's lethal. It's it's you know. Once you open that door, as ghost hunters know now, since you open the door, they're going to follow you. They're going to come. They're going to bring more influence. And so, it's really um, a really spiritually lethal and deadly affair to open the door to that side because they only have one nature, one goal. If it's not to occupy and dis, you know an individual and really keep them away from God, it's to bring total deception in the sense of you know beginning to use individuals and draw them in deeper and deeper and deeper. And then down the road, it's desecration. They never leave. You know, like look at Aleister Crowley, the great occultist. Yeah. He died in a horrific and horrible way, and that's how I see their left. Judas. It's the Judas principle. Satan walks into him. Judas, guided by Satan that just walked into him, you know, he betrayed the Son of God. And look at the end, the fields of Akaldama, the field of blood. Look what look what happens to him. And that's what I see the dark side doing. Even when New Agers and Wiccans and others, they feel energized. You know, you got younger Satanists that are like, you know, they're all, we're elites, you know, we're the power, we're, you know, we've got the, you know, and, and they become arrogant, which blinds them spiritually. And, and they're discarded in the end also. Uh, Satan and demons never have the they don't have the ability, let alone the fake promises they give to humanity. They can't give immortality. They don't want you. They're not love you. They're not they're not there to bring you to their side. Humans are just fodder for them in their purpose. Absolutely. Well, and interesting, you mentioned Alistair Crowley there. Alice Bailey, the writer of the twenty four volumes of the occult, she said herself that her ascended master gave her ties into all her automatic writings. So, you know, whether you look at Aleister Crowley, Manly P. Hall, Albert Pike, Helena Blavatsky, which has very similar theosophical writings as, you know, good old Alice Bailey. I mean, Alice Bailey was the first writer to use the term New Age, but she describes, now think about this, the majority of her work, she said, she had telepathically dictated to her by her ascended master of wisdom. She said later initials DK and later that was Dewell Call. Now, Madame Blavatsky, 
also ageless wisdom teaching guru. She also said that a demon manifested too. So there's a lot of writings where you can see, you know, they have a fascination with these entities, how to open portals, gates, ascended masters coming in, automatic writings. And you look at the kids that are playing with these Ouija boards. Now, what's stunning about that, Russ, and I found this so fascinating years ago when I was really looking into the Ouija board. It started in France in 1853 when this self-proclaimed warlock invented a planchette. Then in the U.S. in 1892, a man named William Fold invented a Ouija board, and it was said that when he was talking to his witch board, he was playing with the planchette, and he asked the board to name itself, and it spelled out combining the word yes for French and German, J-A, Ouija. So, I mean, is it a game, folks? Well, it's interesting that Fold's company went to court in 1920 to establish it as a religious device to contact, get this, Russ, the spirit world, and it was ruled upon that. It made its way all the way to the Supreme Court where it was acknowledged that it is a mediumistic tool for witches, psychics, parapsychologists, and these people testified that it was a tool for automatic writing. And he said, hey, this is not a game. We are serious users. And Christian pastors and scholars don't think it's a game, Russ. I mean, either do psychologists and doctors as a harmless game, but even The Exorcist was based on a true story, which Reagan was playing with the Ouija board. So, I mean, when you buy an Ouija board, you get your own box of demons, don't you? You really do. And and notice how, again, as a kid, of course, our parents, how many kids got them for Christmas or birthdays? And now they got a pink one made like a Barbie Ouija oh, board. No. So, you know, Ouija boards are the old talking boards. As you mentioned, the history, they're talking boards. And here's what's true about the Ouija board. Just like satanic rituals, the, the rituals that are written in books, um, the ways in which shamans and maguses and sorcerers and wizards know how to conjure are taught by the demons. Just as the Spirit of God taught believers how to seek the Lord, um, you know, in the Old Testament ways of the temple, you know, just as the Spirit of God guided man to draw near and, and be able to come to God, so the spirits have given the rituals, the languages, the abilities, the doorways, the information, the languages. And so the same thing with the, with the spirit board, the, the talking boards. Uh, this is simply a spirit that has guided um, and, and helped develop an occult tool that is a direct doorway. Uh, that you have to, you know, again, coming from that side, they're saying here, uh, here's how, you, here's a key, here's how you help open the door to our side. Now we're going to inspire you to use it, and as you use it, we will come through the access point because you've given us a topon. That's the Greek word in Ephesians four. That means a legal right. Uh, a, a doorway, of course it means doorway, but it's also used in legal Greek terminology, meaning they have legalities. Uh, they always have to have some kind of door. Now, the neat, not the neat thing, but the, the thing behind the scenes in Ferguson where all of the massive damage and other killings and riots and, and destruction of millions upon millions of dollars and all the stuff that occurred there, all the anger, it was the um, in the same locality of blocks but it was the celebration of the Ouija board. They were having it at a locality there in Ferguson uh, in which uh, necromancers and mediums and psychics and readers of the dead and others were all coming in to celebrate the talking boards. So you have all of this coming in right at the initial point of this explosion that occurs in Ferguson. I mean, I don't think the secular media is going to look into that or see that, but there's a correlation between the demon that guided the man in Florida to begin to chew the head off. There's a correlation between demons coming, like in Job's case, upon the Sabaeans that came down and attacked his family. They could move a crowd. And whether, whether, listen, if an individual is warned, you know, be angry, but don't sin, don't let the sun go on your anger and give the devil a foothold. Don't give the devil that foothold, Ephesians 4, chapter 4, right? Well, that's true in a household. That's true uh, if you had a whole household that's filled with anger and bitterness. You got to make sure, you, you got to realize, first of all, 
uh, the anger and bitterness will, will only bring a biting and devouring of one another, as it says in Galatians. But, but it also opens the door for the, you know, if you're in that anger, in that flesh, in that sin mode, long enough and strong enough, you can be sure the enemy's going to take, um, take that as an opportunity, a legal right, to get in there, use it as a doorway, and, and push things over the edge when normal, I mean, it wouldn't go that. It normally wouldn't go that far, but but they they prey upon the anger, they prey upon it to bring it to such a frenzy, and here's we need to know this when it comes to the to the riots and to the, the things that we see out there uh, that bring nothing but destruction and nothing but you know the venomous hate that turns into bloodshed. There's a demonic activity there. Jesus quoted out of the book of Deuteronomy a lot. And when you even look in the New Testament in Matthew, think about what Deuteronomy 18 does say of us. When you really break that down, necromancer in the Hebrew, the word there is seeker unto the dead. That's a medium. So mm. whether it's these psychics, clairvoyants, channelers, you know, they always say, well, you know, I sense spirit forces. Well, there's no question they can sense these forces. That's what the demons want you to see. And it, it feels kind of benevolent. But God, again, considers this to be an abomination. This is deadly serious. God says here in 1811 uh, here, a charmer or consulter of familiar spirits or a wizard or a necromancer. That's in Deuteronomy 18, 11. Again, when you go into 12, it says, for all that do these things, and of course, it lists a litany of things like observer of times, those that use divination, passing through the fire. You know, Moloch's a big part of this and human sacrifice, a big part of this. The spirit of abortion, you look at these Baal worshippers that threw their kids into the fire to sacrifice to their gods, Moloch and Chemosh. And today's women sacrifice their unborn children on the altar of Moloch, basically. So, you know, you've got these very sick, evil, twisted Satanists who go off to Bohemian Grove once a year and worship their big 40-foot so-called owl, or as I call him, Moloch, the ancient Ammonite god. But God says this is an abomination. And that's deadly serious to me, Russ. Well, it is deadly serious, and you notice, as you quoted there from Deuteronomy, um, they're all associated together. That's like uh, Manasseh in Kings, you know, twenty through twenty, you know, through twenty-three, twenty-four. You can read the entire story. He starts off. That's left-hand path. That's what left-hand path is all about. You start off with the, you know, the little by little, incrementally, uh, you step by step by step. It's always a, you know, stairway not to heaven. It is a stairway downward. Each step darkens you. Each step um, brings more. Or uh, what I call layering of the person. So Manasseh didn't start with human sacrifice, but he ended with it. And so when the spirits are guiding and leading and leading and leading, just like in the world of drugs, there there's gateway dark spirituality. Um, masqueraded, it will lead you to want more, want you to get into deeper things. And New Agers, they're eclectic. They want every kind of experience. I mean, by the tens of thousands now, they've gone to the ayahuasca, Ebola drugs to talk to this you know, spirits direct to engage them sexually. This is, um, this is just, it, it goes, you know, each way. So in, in Deuteronomy 18, notice that God brings all of that, all of those practices of the nations, of the pagan nations, that's what they were doing. It wasn't just being readers of the dead, seekers and summoners of the dead. They were also doing uh, their children yeah. through the fire. A uh, torturous, murderous, painful death of their children to a demon god. So you have tribes all around that are doing all of those practices, and that's you know that's what happens even in the underground. I mean, the reason why Satanists and others will continue to uh, they want to summon more demons, receive more demons, they want more abilities, they want more powers, which then the demons require more action, deeper ritual, animal blood uh, than human. Well, sexual rituals will bring it, but the biggest is always it always leads down to that bottom of the stairway human sacrifice. And that then becomes the primary platform for the most powerful demonic. Uh, and and uh, that, that, is, that is the number one way uh, they want, and it brings them over 
and it does all three things. It not only brings their their uh, uh, blinding man from God, but the utter deception. Obviously, Manasseh or anybody that would sacrifice their own child, you have to be pretty doggone deceived to think that it's a good thing, like the like the Mayans did in in the days of Chechen Itza. You know, the little girls were sent to the cenotos and uh, the little pools of water, and uh, they were the, the, as little virgins to give themselves up to the God. That was a good thing to give themselves up to the God, to do a human sacrifice and to shed this blood was a good thing. Um, and it's unbelievable that I read nowadays books that are not on the market, the ritual books that describe the... Uh, I, I, it's just horrific to even read them, Sheila, because when I read them, they're they're talking about... I mean, you, you see the love of blood, the love of the bloodlust, the energies, what, what a good thing, how to cut in such a perfect way, and this is a tremendous thing. And it, it's almost a glorification of some of the most... Uh, well, God calls it an abomination. Uh, he calls them abominations there in Deuteronomy, Ezekiel 8, when the prophet was led deep underground to find them. He called them abominations. And where you see that, that word used, uh, detestable abomination, worthy of uh, utter judgment, is because they've led themselves all the way to human sacrifice, which, which again, human desecration, becoming the blood and guts and pain and, and, and all of that just to bring demons in and through. And this is why we need to understand their nature. Look what they want to get in. Look what they use to get to this side. And yet now, in the satanic ritual abuse, worldwide, 40 million, uh, even if you cut that number in half, every one of them know human sacrifice. Every one of them know within the coven there are necromancers, and they've learned necromancy. And they, they, many of them that we've engaged believe that they're engaging grandmothers and others that are dead, uh, old priestesses and old— you know, and they're not. They're just getting the demons— that have the that have imprinted or or kind of uh, mimicked the personality of the grandmothers and grandfathers and others, and just simply bring it down and 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 continue the deception and continue to give them oh you have you know you're you're very powerful you you're able to do this you're able to do that you got powerful you should listen to how they talk the undergrounders um, the powers that they have what they're able to do and. And even the stories of ex-Satanists that have gone around to churches, and you can listen to the arrogance they had at one time as they came against Christians, as they played this game, as yeah. they tried to engage, um, until they hit a real believer uh, that knows what to do. <laughs> well, Jesus I know, Paul I know, I don't yeah. know you. I mean, that's a very important point that you've brought out, Russ, because really you mentioned that earlier. And as believers, when we're... Holy Ghost-filled, Bible-believing Christians, and we are exercising our authority, the demons, they know Jesus Christ, that name, it has power, that dunamis power. I mean, we have that as Christians. We have the same, I mean, we have the same power as, you know, God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's no different. It's the same power that we have within us to bind these demons, to cast them out. There is unclean spirits and familiar spirits. There's a lot of different kinds of entities. And what I find fascinating in all of this, Russ, is these entities really are obsessed with coming over to this side, piercing the veil. It's very fascinating this year, speaking of piercing the veil. I mean, you see all these deities, these entities everywhere. For example, we saw this Hindu destroyer goddess, Kali, plastered on the Empire State Building in August. And then, of course, there's Shiva, the destroyer god, in the good old cosmic dance of destruction out front of CERN. Now, CERN's acronym is an ancient Celtic deity, the god of death, the lord of the underworld, a stag. Now, what's interesting is a stag is also representative of, of course, Nimrod as well. So it's it, is it a coincidence, Russ, that these underworld deities are being selected for these very modern machinations here? I mean, are they trying to pierce the veil at CERN and unleash the spirits of the ages? I th well, it, here's what we get. Biblical, the biblical revelation gives us the infallible look at what where the origin of de Satan and demons, uh, the nature of them, the methods of them, uh, their powers, their abilities, but also their agenda. So when, when you say that, no, it doesn't surprise me in this sense. The ancient demons of the Old Testament, 
they never died. When God closed the doorways and shut the door on them, they're simply on the other side, going to seek again. Uh, that's why demons, they go out of individuals, so they'll look for others to go into. And so there's this constant, um, you know, they just, they're just doing it again through the ages. So it doesn't surprise me that they would use Kali or Celtic, um, demon of chaos, destruction, and death. Uh, that ultimately wants a new order, according you know, as far as the Kali, you know, demonic entity, um, and so that's the spiritual presence behind. Maybe there are some at CERN that know this, and I would assume that there are some that know what they're doing and and are guided. I believe some that know nothing are guided because I believe again the agenda is so passionate. Well, Revelation twelve says Satan. You know, what does it say about him? He's filled with great wrath. The idea of great frenzic anger. Why? Because he knows his time is short. What's that based on? Revelation nineteen, the visible return of Christ. Revelation twenty, Satan is thrown into the abyss for a thousand years. So all of this agenda involves getting to the Armageddon issue, stopping Christ to stop what's going to happen in Revelation 20. We must understand from biblical revelation that the dark side knows prophecy better than most prophecy teachers even, and they cater their agenda to um, nix the recipients of prophecy or do what they can to stop God. They did it in his first coming, Revelation 12, when the Christ child was born. Who was already there? The dragon was there ready to devour the Christ child, but he was snatched up to God. And so you have this picture then, there's war in heaven. The whole chapter is, is, is war and battle. And, and if we don't get in our heads in the body of Christ, that uh, soul winning and advancing the church or the church being oppressed and dead and ugly is all a spiritual battle. Either the enemy is suppressing the church and keeping it quiet, and, 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 and if we don't look and see the biblical revelation of what Satan's uh, methods is, you know, whether, what, what the method is against Christians, against the church, to silence, suppress, and cripple the body of Christ, while it continues to foster greater energy, more power um, to uh, advance its cause by meticulous design. We've got to understand the enemies that way, by meticulous design. So us talking about necromancers, because there's probably millions more of them, millions and millions more astral projectors, millions more having sleep paralysis, you know, globally, millions more being contacted in a variety of ways as that world um, assesses uh, in a very... Uh, well, beyond humanity, uh, we've got to understand that they're far beyond the intelligence agencies. Their dark intelligence guided Hitler and that nation to do what it did and look at the destruction. That's a little look at what's creeping, uh, bulging even now and ready to burst to bring the greatest destruction in human history. So what we see in the individual or the family or the tribe or even a nation, like in, like in Deuteronomy 18 that you brought up, uh, even the nations themselves become that way. Then they become very destructive. Uh, then eventually they're set apart for pure judgment and to annihilate the radical evil as a cancer to the existence of humanity. Well, and you know, it's funny to me because pharmacia and sorcery really go hand in hand with all this. Russ, it's not surprising that 75% of the population is hopped up on all this garbage. You mentioned the Aztecs earlier. The Aztecs, the Inca, the Mayans, they had in their possession knowledge that was very, they could not have attained this stuff on their own. It was really extremely highly complex cosmological sorcery pharmacology metallurgy very complex advanced levels of technology of course they owe that to the giants but people think oh these nice little cultures that lived you know when you look at these ancient civilizations they were a bloody demonic system of paganism this is not some nice little culture and you look at the druids i mean people think oh stonehenge nice little cutesy monument yeah that's a wonder of the world all right but this really all does go together doesn't it 
it all goes together because the what you know whatever culture they come through, like the, you know examination of the tribes of the Old Testament, whether the Amorites, Perizzites, the um, the Philistines, the Moabites. Look at the Moabite king learned how to weaponize, harness the dark powers to fall on the soldiers yeah. to to fight Israel. So even that sense, uh, and and I believe that's going to be the Armageddon issue, the most powerful, supernaturally infused, altered uh, militaristic system is coming and has already been building um, but it's but it will be on the field uh, revelation 1919 for sure it shows that it's going to be there and so the weaponization the harnessing of those powers uh, the harnessing of those powers to create and and receive Intel or insight or inception for technologies uh, the transhumanists are in that that danger zone because they have no way because they're so eager um, I would say the NSA is in danger zone if if the information about project preserve destiny is true if Dan Sherman was a real intuitive hooked to a machine at the NSA that was able he was to go passive like like it works with shamans and new agers and meditators to go utterly passive so that the non-human entities can communicate intel the germans did this the nsa uh, no one has debunked the story of dan sherman yet and others and that's true concerning fort bragg and, yeah. and and american military and russian military so we're looking at chile at the shark fin but the monster is just below and hooked to what we're seeing, it's it's huger, it's broader, it's it's more deadly than we're even discussing, because we're discussing the shark fin, and we're seeing the bits and the pieces, which is is which is uh, damaging enough to a person's life into their eternal destiny. But um, what's to come, as you mentioned earlier too, this is all part. We're already living in fulfilled prophecy. I mean, if we look at Second Thessalonians two. First Timothy four one down, First uh, John chapter two about the many antichrists. It's already we're already living in fulfillment. This is that which the Spirit of God said. Um, we're living in that. You've quoted the the some of the primary writers. So we are living in fulfillment of prophecies that are the precursors to the larger ones that are coming. So um, the sheer numbers and what I call the layering, and even the remote viewers and the military stuff, that's nothing more than sanitized astral projection and psychic, you know, psychic abilities. Uh, to say psychic ability and having real energy sounds um, very sanitized and cleaned up. But what we need to say is bloodthirsty, toxic, blood-lusting, uh, demonic uh, that will that will help uh, you uh, to lead you to destruction and lead you to losing your soul for eternity. This is what it. This is the nature of that side. the The world when you're lost, you have no ability to really see this. They're here to you know keep that humanity blinded. Uh, but the body of Christ, we should be. We have God, the Holy Spirit. We don't. We don't have a bunch of finite demons in us and need more for more powers. We have God, the Holy Spirit. He is considered uh, in First John four megos. He is, he is greater than, in the sense of very huge and massively greater than, uh, he was in us than the one, Satan and demons, in them in the world. So when we understand the Spirit of God guides us and leads us, and he's in us, and, and Sheila, I feel his power, I feel his presence, I feel the joy of the Lord, I feel the, uh, for 40 years as a believer, the witness that if I die, whether 40 years ago or right now, absent from the body, present with the Lord, I mean, there's assurance there, there's, uh, let alone just Jesus in his daily help, daily walk in our lives, uh, so it's it's the it's the other side um, offering the counterfeit with the goal of um, not only just deception but using humanity, desecrating humanity, because it needs the platform. It needs humanity's head to step on to get to Armageddon, which is the ultimate goal of all of this. Because that descent of the living Christ, the Prince of Peace, means everything. It means the end of radical evil. It means Satan, demons 
Antichrist, all of that thrown to the abyss. It means a thousand years of no war. It means the healing of nations. It involves the glorification, indestructible immortality of all believers. It involves the Prince of Peace coming for the real, the real God-given new age of a thousand-year millennial reign, let alone the coming after the great white judge, throne judgment then too. Then the eternal Basileia, the kingdom. So this is all about stopping the ultimate. That's what the battle is right now. Well, you said a lot there. And of course, you know, the main point is the goal of deception. Now, your book, Black Awakening, talks so much about satanic super soldiers. Look at Michael Aquino, who joined the Church of Satan while he was a U.S. Army intelligence officer. He studied, not only did he teach people and he was taught how to contact the dead, but he also talked about demonically infused super soldiers. You know, when you have demonically charged satanic super soldiers with supranatural power, that's a kind of a frightening thought, isn't it? <laughs> it is a very frightening thought in this sense. Now, we have dealt with these individual chosen ones, the ones that would be the troops of Antichrist for many years, Sheila, many. We're, we, you know, this weekend and next weekend, and, and I mean, just constantly. So um, when we are able, because it is really, again, it's part of the really super secret plan. I mean, there is no new world order. There is no chaos to collapse everything without the individual soldiers, the individuals to do it. So this project, I believe, has gone been going on since the 30s. And we're now to the fourth generation, literally, of development. Some would say fifth generation, if you include the direct Nazis, Lebensborn, and all that. So you, you've got worldwide, and I'm going to say again, my estimate, 40 million from the ages of uh, 69 all the way down to 5 and 8 and 10 years old that have been in this bloodline chosen splitting programming. And then once you demonize the programming, there's nothing in the human will to resist it. Um, think in terms of the, um, the hypnotist uh, taking somebody down deep enough to make them say, oh, you're Elvis Presley, you're going to sing. And look how they'll do it on stage. They'll, sing, they'll try to sing like Elvis Presley because they're, they're, they're bypassing the entire sense of cognitive will and resistance, and they're going, they're going direct. So when you talk about programming, it, they have split and then program personalities, meaning they have utterly bound a part of the will, the mind, um, and even the emotion into a fixed, whether it's assassin or whatever, agenda. Then when demons are transmitted into that program personality, I think you have something more than Mark V. They're faster, they're quicker when they're in that mode. The only way is to bring them down physically. I mean, uh, because I believe it's part of the red horse prophecy. I really do. That when that day comes, on a global scale, individuals, and I believe these chosen ones, super soldiers, satanic super soldiers, I believe they will be activated on a global scale. And it says they're going to svadzo, slaughter in a ritualistic sense, hundreds of millions worldwide. That's the prophecy in Revelation uh, 6, Red Horse. Not many Christians are aware of Satan's coming army. I mean, it could be the Joel 2 army. Whatever you want to call this, Russ, it's like an evil global reign and regime to unleash a hellish slaughter of the saints. I mean, this is a war on God's saints through weaponization of demonic power, really, isn't it? It really is. And again, it goes with the plan. This is, you know, the rise of the satanic super soldier is in direct correlation to the, and again, my opinion, my opinion is based on what I believe biblically, prophetically, and what we've researched in the underground. I believe the Antichrist has already been born in counterfeit to the conception of Christ, that he's going to be born in the same way, only instead of God being, you know, uh, causing the conception in the human female you know, bloodlined all the way to Adam, that uh, the fallen chair himself is going to cause the conception in a prepared um, woman that's bloodlined. So homo satanus is how I look at the Antichrist. And, and so I believe he's already been born, which means that um, because when, he, when the apocalypse, the unveiling, he's not going to be unveiled at five or 20 years old. At the very, if he's going to be exactly meticulous in his in his counterfeit, he'll be unveiled when he's thirty. 
if he's going to do it exactly like Jesus when Jesus you know started his public ministry Jesus was here for 30 years prior and and then there was the you know this the John the Baptist the spirit of God coming down the the announcing of Messiah and and then his 3 years of so of ministry and then to the cross so you're going to have something similar to that when it comes to the antichrist because Satan is meticulous in exact counterfeit of everything. Counterfeit words, counterfeit prophecy, counterfeit apostles, counterfeit teaching, uh, counterfeit giftings. If the, if the Antichrist has been born and is alive waiting for his unveiling to the world, which might be a spiritual event, just like Jesus had one, a powerful, the dragon, look at Revelation 13, the dragon gives him his power. So there may be a real uh, demonstration of that giving of power. Then you have uh, the false prophet ascending from under the earth. He's hidden. He's got to be born. He's got to be alive. And Revelation 13, when there's this anabano, this release of the new world order, it doesn't come by democratic vote. It doesn't come by, it, it's embedded with the most powerful of satanic powers and secrecy. It's called the mysterium in in First uh, Second Thessalonians two. Um, it's all got to be in place before it can uh, spring out into the global society. And so, if that's true right now, and I believe it is, then we are very close to the end, very close to the chaos, uh, very close to some of the because we're in the frog in the kettle. We're in the uh, evo the satanic evolution. We're in the um, the the layering, the layering, the layering, the layering, the bulging of the seams. You know, coming to the edge, cracking the you know the the uh, the walls of Hoover, the spiritual Hoover Dam. But they can't come out until the restrainer is taken out of the way. But that's an instantaneous thing. When the restrainer is removed, 2 Thessalonians 2, then all of what has been prepared and built up and there, that's what the world doesn't know. And when Jesus mentioned this in, in, in Matthew 24, it's unprecedented. Sheila, we don't have anything to look backwards and say, well, it's going to be like this. No. It's so beyond anything that's ever occurred in human history that God has given a massive profile of the Antichrist and deep profile of the new order and deep profile of the sequence of how this will occur so that we're, you and I, we're talking about what we see as the bulging at the seams and that they're ready, they're ready to go, they're licking their chops spiritually, but, but God has his finger on this situation. 2 Thessalonians 2, the entire horrific unleashing to the world. Because once the restrainer is removed, and it's an instantaneous event, um, we now move to total, forget about global you know, nations and regions. This now becomes, everything that occurs is global. Everything that occurs is absolute worldwide. From the moment the restrainer is removed, the Antichrist, the rebellion, of course, occurs, the revolt, and the Antichrist is in the apocalypse, and then you have this whole spread um, of uh, leading to the abyss, leading to Armageddon, leading to the feeling, at least the feeling of the extinction of mankind and the sense of the extinction of the environment. I think it's very important that people step back and really take a inventory of what is going on in their life right now, what things they may be doing to open up eye gates, ear gates. I mean, look at some of these video games. They are straight from the bells of hell. I mean, every game video these kids are playing, I mean, a litany of these mutant hybrid demonic creatures and warlords and demons and even look at slender man i mean the bbc reported russ back in july that two 13 year old girls brutally stabbed a classmate to death they said they did it to please slender man and of course in june in wisconsin two girls same age lured a third girl into a wooded area they stabbed her 20 times and according to authorities they said slender man made them do it. Well, I've got a newsflash, folks. Slenderman is not some cutesy online character. This is a demonic entity. And it's not surprising. I mean, Russ, Satan can transform into an angel. So, assumably, he moves in different dimensions. So, it's really not a stretch when 
considering this physics of the dark side to morph or transmute their appearances. You know, they can cloak their evil nature into whatever. Pick your thing. Alien gray, Bigfoot, cutesy elves. You mentioned a really interesting manual, the Necromancer's Manual. It was a 15th century who's who of the witches, really. I mean, that is a total manual of death. This whole theme is culminating towards absolute deception. I think people really do need to take an inventory of things in even your home that can open up these problems. I mean, demons can get attached to things, can't they? Well, not a, no question about it. And they're able to, you know, guide. And, and just like we have a Holy Spirit-inspired book where God's presence, power, voice is literally animating, embedded in the actual words. So we don't have just, you know, dead words. They're alive. They're, they have power and they have uh, energy in them, God's energy. Uh, that's uh, Hebrews 4. And, and so that's the idea of inspiration. Uh, God didn't just inspire it 2,000 years ago and then it sits dead. It's a living book. So this voice is in every single verse, his voice is unleashed. The Holy Spirit knows every single verse. He's able to use it perfectly as we're listening and yielding him. Well, on the other side of the fence, uh, the demons, uh, they just simply copied the concept. And so they, like, you know, as you mentioned, um, Alice Bailey, she fought off this entity in the beginning and didn't want to do it at first, but it just kept going. She had no defenses because she yeah. was a, she was not a real believer, born again believer. She was a cultural, you know, Christian in the sense of just Christianity by name. So that's dead. There's no life there. There's no ability for protection. So she let the entity in. Now, the occult writers that write about her say the entity fused with her and for six, seven hours a day would um, not only lead her into word by word and sentence by sentence, but even go back to make sure and be meticulous over the dictation. So when she writes The Externalization of the Hierarchy, that book is a charged book. And I will say this, we study a lot of things and we've burned a lot of things. I will say that the externalization of the hierarchy out of all the books I've even looked at, even some really underground you know, stuff that's not even public, um, that book is highly charged. You, you, you can't read it without, in, if, as far as a believer, without incurring some kind of warfare. That's why I don't like to quote it verbatim. I'll, I'll, if I'm talking about a passage out of there to expose what's there, I, I will talk about it, but I don't want to quote it. Uh, because I believe the demonic presence is in and upon, and they're attentive. And anybody reading, anybody looking, the, there is a supernatural power behind, well, even the Course of Miracles yes, uh, yes. written by the psychologist. So now we have thousands of books like that. And as you mentioned, Slenderman, I believe, the man out of uh, Erie, PA, I believe a spirit guide in him simply guided all of this. And that just as there's Didache Daemonoia, the doctrine of demon in the sense of Alice Bailey's writing or Helena's or whoever, um, fantasy writing is no different in the sense that a spirit can charge the fantasy, which can make it even worse because people are thinking, oh, this is all fake. So the girls, as they're reading charged fantasy writings, now I even believe, and again, this took a lot of prayer and looking at it and looking at it and looking at it and doing a series on it. Um, I believe that not only was it were a real spiritual presence on the on the author that guided this, but the very picture of Slenderman may be a a representation of what the demon really looks like. They do this. It's a historic thing they do. So Slenderman, the very looking at the entity, may be a a um, little imprint, a little uh, partial picture, uh, maybe sanitized again for human consumption. That might be what it is. And the girl that did the stabbing, and you know, the older one of the two that stabbed the little one, younger one, she says to the psychologist this very day that if Slenderman uh, would uh, command her again or lead her again or tell her again, she would do it. So unless she gets deliverance from that attachment, deliverance from that, that connection, it, it's just not going to happen. Uh, she's going to have to go through drugs and therapy and Thorazine and psych wards and, and be watched and monitored. Because that, that's not going to get her away from the open door to the spirit that has led them to seek blood. To seek blood. Unbelievable. Those little girls have no idea what they got into. They're completely overrun, and they need help. I, I, I pray that God would guide me. So I wish I could get to them because they need to be set free from the presence that has um, consumed them. This stuff is real. The good news in all of this hellish nightmare is Jesus Christ. I mean, he really 
is the only answer. He is the only way out of this mess that we're in. All of the roads lead to dead end. So that's the good news. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, his salvation, his sanctification, and he is the only way. That's the good news, Russ. It's the um, it's the brilliant news. It is the astounding news. It is the uh, it is the answer to the pain and lostness of humanity. Even if there's a seeker listening or someone who's you're lost or you're into something, now you realize none of that spirituality led you to God. The Spirit of God will get into the Gospel of John. Just ask God to show you. Get into the Gospel of John. Begin to read. Look at chapter seven, where there's an invitation by Jesus to where the Spirit of the Living God will come into your life and you will come to know Christ. There's cleansing, there's peace, there's absolute assurance You know, to know God. And one day because of that, to being saved, one day to see God face to face, to be loved by God. Now that's the message that we have, Sheila, to share with everybody and, and whatever they're into. Uh, we announced that the dark side wants to keep them completely deceived and lost, but God has come in this day to uh, draw them out of that darkness and into the true light of Jesus who loves them and gave his life for them. And the power and the life and the and the promises of, of God that are theirs, again, the message, as you say, is astounding. The person, Jesus, there's none like him. You can come to him right now. You can turn Turn to Jesus. You can repent of the other stuff, turn to him and ask him to come into your life, receive him, receive the spirit of God inside. Let us know about it. Amen to that. Russ, it's always such a pleasure to have you on the program. Folks, this is a great ministry to support. Do sign up for Russ's podcast. It's linked on the bio as well as the other sites, including shatterthedarkness.net. Again, Russ, it's always a pleasure and do come back and see us soon. Thank you, Sheila, very much. Blessings to you. Thanks, Russ. Folks, that was Russ Dizdar. His information is linked on today's bio. Please do bookmark Russ's site and sign up for his podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the broadcast today. Tomorrow, Steve Quayle and Pastor David Langford. You're not going to want to miss it. See you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.